sermons ever preached by an English speaker <laughs> back in the 1700s. I think I got that right. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. The man who preached that sermon, the people who were sitting in their pews, and these were, Christ, these were people who were declared followers of Jesus. They're sitting in their pews, and as he is preaching that sermon, they're hanging out of the pews because they can feel themselves sliding to hell. Jonathan Edwards preached that sermon, and there was a mighty revival throughout New England as an outcome as that sermon was printed and went from church to church and hand to hand to hand to hand. But that God who is angry at our sin is the same God who is merciful and loving and sent his son to the cross so we didn't have to go to the place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So we would experience that wonderful welcome. And as we look at 1 Thessalonians the close of chapter 2, beginning in 2.17. What is Paul, who, to whom is Paul writing? Paul is writing to a church that he and Silas and Timothy had gone to Philippi and the church is exploding in Philippi and has created uh, a threat to the powers that be and so they got thrown into prison and what did God do in, in the Philippian jail? Well, they got put in the back part. They were told by the magistrates, you put these men in the back part of the prison. And there was an earthquake. Their, 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 their feet are in stocks. Their feet are in stocks. They're in chains. And it's dark. The jailkeeper has gone to bed. But they're singing hymns of praise to God. Having been beaten with rods, they're in, in the prison. They're singing hymns of praise to God. And there's an earthquake. And what a, a mysterious outcome to an earthquake. The doors all flow, fly open and the chains fall off and the stocks fly off their feet. Some earthquake. And none of the prisoners flee. Can... I would I, I think we're going to be amazed when we get to heaven and we find out every one of those those men had turned to Jesus. They had heard the gospel. They had heard the, the hymns of praise. None of them fled the jail and the jailer who was about to throw himself on his sword because he was sure the jail everybody had fled. No, 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 no. Paul says, do not harm yourself. We're all here. And then he said to Paul, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. And that night, before the sun even came up, that jailer and his entire household cast themselves on the mercy of God. That's the kind of God we have. And then they went to Thessalonica and there was a riot in Thessalonica because of their gospel ministry. Again, they were a threat to the powers that be. Politics and religion. I don't care what country. Politics and religion is always one piece of cloth. And it's going to be God's truth versus the powers that be. I don't care what country you're in. Sometimes it's more obvious than others. But it's always there. 
1 Thessalonians, Paul is writing back to this church that they heard the gospel. And as we saw in chapter 1, Paul is writing to them absolutely ecstatic. He is just so full of joy because he and Silas and Timothy, where they'd be gone in Macedonia and Greece, every time they start to explain the gospel to people, the, oh, oh yes, we've already heard that. Those fellows came from Thessalonica and told us. <laughs> what? This is so amazing. And Paul is just so filled with joy. He's, over, he's just overwhelmed by the joy at the out, positive outcome that the gospel has had. They have become authentic disciples. And so he's in just in the first chapter. That's the joy of that first chapter. The joy of the second chapter is the joy of the supply of the spirit to him and Silas and Timothy, even though they've wanted to go back to Thessalonica and thought and sought and sought and sought and prayed and prayed and prayed. God hasn't given permission and enabled them. But now he has sent Timothy. He's gotten word back from Timothy. And we pick this up in chapter two, verse 17. But we, brethren, have been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, and endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Nothing will so fill Silas or Timothy or me, Paul, with joy than seeing you standing before Jesus our Lord and receiving the accolades from him that you have earned by your loyalty to him and your steadfastness in him. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? It is, not, is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ as it is coming? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God. How does Paul know about what's taking place there in Thessalonica? Because Timothy has brought a report back to him. And sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. We sent Timothy to establish you in your faith and to encourage you in your faith. The core command to us as disciples here in 1 Thessalonians is stand in the faith stand in the faith number one that means understanding what it is but also being strong in it being strong in it and that's why we sent him to establish you any questions you had any encouragements that you needed any fortification that you needed that he would be there to establish you and encourage you in concerning your faith. And the word translated here, encourage, 
means to come alongside and strengthen. It will later be the same word translated in chapter 3, verse 7 as comforted. To comfort means to come alongside, come, and fortify. To encourage. What are you doing when you're encouraging someone? You're putting courage into them. What are you doing when you're comforting them? You're fortifying their their inner person. You're strengthening them so that they will persist. They will persist. That's what cheerleaders are supposed to be doing. You know, the real cheerleader, the cheerleaders, yeah, they get the crowd up so the crowd can encourage the guys on the field. It's to encourage those who are active in the engagement. We sent Timothy to supply you with courage, to supply you with fortification, with strength, and to establish you in your faith. Answer any questions that you might still have. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions, the afflictions you have experienced or the the afflictions that you have heard that we have experienced. Don't let that drive the courage out of you. Stephen, as he stood before that crowd whose intent was to murder him. What was was Stephen? Intimidated by them? Not one bit. Because Stephen knew no matter what environment I am in, Jesus is Lord. And the worst thing my persecutors can do to me is the best thing they can do to me. They kill me, they're ushering me into the presence of my Lord. They torture me, they are magnifying my kingdom glory. Literally, they can't lay a finger on me apart from divine permission. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Silas, Timothy, and I, hey, God has appointed us to suffer. By the way, He's appointed you to suffer. To magnify kingdom glory. To create opportunities for you. And again, when Paul is face-planted by Jesus outside the gates of Damascus, face-plants this guy, Saul of Tarsus, in the dirt, what does he say to Saul? It is hard for you to kick against the goads, that pointed stick. Well, at least one of those pointed sticks was having stood there and watched Stephen's message and watched Stephen's lack of intimidation and watched Stephen and hearing Stephen say, Father, forgive them. Do not lay this to their charge because Saul of Tarsus knew that there was no way those words would have come out of his mouth. Stephen was by the power of the Holy Spirit a Jesus imitator at that moment for Jesus had said from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And Paul, when he is brought into the kingdom by Jesus, what does he do? He wants to do exactly what he's seen Stephen do and be, be a Jesus imitator. By the way, that is the calling upon all of us. And God is as intense with us as he was with Saul of Tarsus who became the Apostle Paul to step us into that role. 
for we were appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it has happened, and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. I, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have telephones. <laughs> they didn't have a really good postal service. So he sends Timothy to get, get, gather information and bring it back to him. When I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. That was the, what I was intent on. Lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. But now, oh, no, 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 no. Boy, my fear isn't what happened. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us news of your faith, why was he sent to encourage you, to fortify you in your faith? And he has come back and he has brought good news of your faith and love. You are indeed totally contrary to any culture other than a Christian culture on this planet. You are foot washers. You love. You are servants of one another. He brought, has brought us good news of your faith and love that you always have good remembrance of us. Your recollection of us is good. Greatly desiring to see us. You want to see us just as much as we want to see you as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. Timothy came back and said, Silas, Paul, let me tell you about these Thessalonians. You're not going to believe what I saw. Oh, yes, you will. <laughs> it is glorious. The steadfast faith that they have in Jesus, in our Lord. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Nothing heartens us like seeing you stand fast in the Lord. God does not call on us to walk in our own strength. He calls on us to walk in the strength of God. Stephen wasn't walking in Stephen when he said, Father, forgive them. Do not lay this into their charge. That wasn't Stephen. That was God speaking through them as only God could incite him by the power of his Holy Spirit. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Do not back down. By the way, it's interesting to me the incessant command to us is stand. stand. Not, not run forward, not charge, stand. The illustration that comes to their mind and is in so many of Paul's letters, what does he say in Ephesians 6? Stand fast in the Lord, putting on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the day and having done all to stand. Why? Because he uses the imagery of the heavy infantryman. The heavy infantryman isn't supposed to charge. He's supposed to stand. He is the anvil on the battlefield. 
that the light infantry and the cavalry encircle the enemy and drive the enemy down on the anvil. The heavy inf- and the job of the heavy infantry is stand. Stand. Don't back up. You hold your ground. That's what you do. Stand fast in the Lord. And as you keep telling the truth, that is how it means to, what it means to stand in this culture. You keep telling the truth. As God gives you opportunity and as God enables you and you speak the truth. I mean, let me tell you something, folks. If you are doing this, you will find yourself in situations where you're like, did those words come out of my mouth? That was news to me. As the words were coming out of my mouth, I was part of the audience. I'm serious. It might not... In your jail ministry, DJ, has this not happened with you where stuff comes out of your mouth where, wait, that wasn't me? (laughs) Yes. And it has a God impact on the hearers because you're addressing situations you didn't even know existed, but your God did. You stand fast. Say that again. Amen. And he does. And he does. And that's what Paul says, stand. And so Paul and his companions, they stand in the marketplace, tell the truth about Jesus, and God gives ears to hear. But I will dare say words are coming out of Paul's mouth sometimes that, whoa, that was cool. I hadn't thought of that before. (laughs) That's when it's so much fun. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. You have caused joy to erupt from the heart of Silas and Timothy and myself. We're reveling in you. And this is happening night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking again in your faith. Is Paul trying to get something across here? In your faith, in your faith, that you understand God's person and his ways in this world and be walking by the help of his Holy Spirit in that. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. We are looking for God to open a door for us to be able to return to to you and visit with you to encourage you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another. Our number one prayer for you Thessalonians is ever, 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 ever increase in your love, in your servant attitude towards one another. That is, let me tell you, in the Roman world, really any culture on the planet, none, The bent of every single human being. Apart from the help of God, apart from the provision of God, the Holy Spirit is no matter what situation you're in is how can I 
manipulate this person or this situation to bring benefit to me. That's the, it, that's the bent of every fallen human being. The only people who can authentically love throw that out and instead have at the front, forefront of their mind, how may I serve others? How may I serve the people around me? That has to come from God. That's not native to us, period, over and out. You can't produce that in the power of your fallen nature. It just isn't going to happen. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, you can wash feet. You can serve other people. And that is our prayer for you, Thessalonians, Paul says, that you increase in love. Let me tell you, there is nothing that will advance the gospel any more powerfully than when, what is it? that there was, there's this statement in, this, in the New Testament where pagans are standing, behold how they love one another. What? Look at that. They're, they're loving one another. They're serving one another. That's not us. That's not me. What enables them to be servants of one another? And it gets their attention. Now, God the Holy Spirit is governing the whole thing because if, the God the, if they're seeing that and God the Holy Spirit isn't incentivizing them, they're just saying, oh, wait, no way, no way. Ah, nah, that's not me. That's not going to be, I, I, I'm not interested. But they will look at you and say, behold how they are loving one another. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He emptied the bank. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him simply transfers their trust from their own goodness, their own works, their own performance to the performance to the work of Jesus. Will have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into this world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved, might be delivered. Whew. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his. And if you're walking in authentic God-induced love, what's another word for that? Oh, they're holy people. Holiness means to be separated to something. If something is holy, it, 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 we get the same word sanctified or sacred. It's all, they're all translations of the same. The Greek word is hagias. It's all holy. When we are loving, when we are washing feet, we are Jesus imitators. That's what holiness looks like. Holiness doesn't look like white robes and halos. and No, holiness is... Washing feet. Holiness is standing and accepting the torment and 
intimidation of the crowd and not backing that then you're if if you're looking like Jesus the servant the savior the redeemer that's true holiness so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, there is a great day coming. Jesus is coming with all His saints. And everything will be <laughs> changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It's going to happen. I wish I could do that. Thank you. <laughs> Folks, that's what's coming for us. That day is coming, and when it comes, it will have come forever. When he comes, he will have come forever. And we come to the Lord's table. Now what? Commemorating that great act of holiness, that great great act of godliness of our Lord Jesus. This is my body broken for you. This is my the blood uh, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood shed for you. Jesus was exemplifying what the human race had never grasped before, the love of God. We now have at the Lord's table, we have the revelation of the love of God because it points us to Jesus' work on the cross. We have a God who is a servant God. I'll take that. And so will you.